Keep that same energy, please don't flip. You were talking all that month of month of hope. We see everyone, we've been keeping the list. Keep that same energy, please don't flip. Please don't flip. Please don't flip. I want to thank you for coming today. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, this series, uh, as you know, is called Self Made. Right. This is all about coming from nothing. Uh, doing it on your own yeah. and making it. Right. And it's a privilege and an honor to have you because I'm a, one, I'm a huge fan. Thank you. Uh, two, you're, you're already somebody, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And three, you. you're on your way. Thank so you. to that, cheers. Absolutely. Cheers. Thank you. So where, uh, where are you originally from? Um, I, I would say Atlanta, you know, I was, I moved around a lot as a kid, but, uh, I did the important formative years in Atlanta. So from 12 until now, I'm 25 in Atlanta. Uh, you, your folks are there? Yeah. Brothers and sisters? Yes. Yeah. What do you have? I have one older brother and one younger sister. And then I have a, uh, a half brother and a half sister. Music. When did that catch on for you? I feel like it was kind of always there when I was even six or seven. I remember being, uh, having a notebook where I used to write raps in. And I had like, around that time, Get Richard I Tryin' by 50 Cent was out. So it was like, to me, it, he was the coolest thing in the world, him and Eminem and the whole Dr. Dre and G unit thing. So I remember standing on my mantelpiece at seven, like reciting these raps as if I was from Queens and you know, all these things. So I think the music bug kind of like, bit me at a super early age. Was there anybody who introduced you to music? I mean, the, the music was always so in my house. My parents used to throw on like, you know, Earth, Wind & Fire and um, Bee Gees and Mamas and Papas and they used to dance and, you know, it used to be like a really lively environment. My dad was always singing just riffs around the house and stuff. His father, um, my grandfather, Pop-Pop, rest in peace, uh, played guitar and mandolin and banjo for like 70 years, 80 years. And he's the one who taught me guitar, which was kind of the like, uh, the doors of the musical world as far as me creating my own stuff. That was the opening, so. Did your parents support you in music? Yeah, they, yeah, they always supported the idea of making music, absolutely. If I use hip hop or rap as the mm -hmm. example, where yeah. did that come from for you? I'm not sure. I think, uh, <laughs> I'm really not sure, because it wasn't, it wasn't like it was really in the house like that. Uh, I think, you know, I was watching, I just, I still remember the In The Club video where 50 Cent hangs down from the ceiling. Um, I feel like that whole era was my introduction to it. I don't know, maybe TV and I just like, I was infatuated with it. One of the first CDs I ever had was the Get Richard I Tryin' and the, um, the G-Unit tape that they did. So, uh, I don't know, you know. What was, um, you keep mentioning 50, so yes. let's. What was it about him? Besides the music, yeah. what, it had to be something within him that spoke to you. I think honestly, it really was the music because I don't think everything else, there was no chance I could have related to it at seven. Yeah. You know, so it had to be the music. What I honestly think it was is uh, the songwriting. I think a lot of people don't realize how melodic 50 Cent and Eminem actually are. You know, like everything was always super in the pocket with them. You know, and I think going from listening to like, you know, what my parents were listening to, like whether it was 70s classic rock, like Kansas and, you know, ABBA and 
all this stuff and Mamas and Papas and then Luther Vandross and Earth, Wind and Fire, all this melody driven stuff. I think it was like actually a seamless segue into hip hop via 50 Cent and Eminem because their stuff was also super melodic. Whether it was the production or how they were doing their verses and hooks, it was always super melodic. So, you know, I was seven years old singing stuff that I didn't know that I was but, but, Have you yeah. ever, and, and to me, this is critical to any, I, I think of you as an entrepreneur, you're a brand, Thank you're you. creating something. Yeah. But the biggest issue with an entrepreneur is what's next? Right. Do you get nervous about that? I'm not going to have the next song or the next melody. I'm not going to think of the next thing. Or right. does it just come? I think there's, I think that element of uh, like, how do I one up myself mm. is natural and necessary. Because to me, it's like, if I'm not trying to one up myself and if I'm not a little bit kind of like worried, then there's going to be no fuel to drive the discovery no of the next. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm always kind of like, I got to one up myself. Yeah. That's what keeps me going. Because yeah. if I thought everything I did was actually just, that's it. I can't top that. I would stop. Do, um, going back from your parents' perspective, were they yeah. supportive of you? When did you say, I want to do music? I think, I guess the line in the sand got drawn officially when I dropped out of college. That's when it was like, What oh, year okay. were you at the time? Uh, I had done a semester freshman year. Where was this? Valdosta State, so like yeah. South, South Yeah, Georgia. yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought a dog in Valdosta. Really? Yeah. I remember That's driving down to Florida. <laughs> Dope room pitcher, named him Parker. We stopped in Georgia and Valdosta, picked him up and drove to the University of Florida. Sorry. Wow, I that's amazing. That. <laughs> um, so w what was the impetus? What was the uh, the thing that said, I, 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 I need to do this? It was funny. Um, so prior to that, my senior year in high school, um, me and my best friend, Bugis, who we started the company Diamond together, uh, he was the only one that was rapping and I was just making beats. Uh, and we had put out like a couple of songs, like second semester, senior year, so we were like playing around with that whole, like we loved it, it was a hobby, it was a passion. And before that, I had been producing for like rappers in high school and whatever. Um, but, you know, so it was like clearly a thing that was there that I was doing. And then I went to school and it was, it was interesting. I had a music theory class in college. Mm freshman year um did that, you have a did you know what you wanted to major in at that time no i had no idea i had no idea and so i was going to this music theory class and when it came to midterms my midterms i had straight a's and like i'm the type of person where if it doesn't challenge me then i'm like i'm kind of like checked out mm. so after that i was just kind of like i'm just gonna sit in the dorm and just make music because i don't really like i know this is not it and my parents kind of knew there was something going on because they called me and they were like, you're failing music theory? Mm. Like, you're not even showing up to the class, it's music. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I just know what I want to do now, mm. you know? So um, that was the line in the sand, I think, that got you. But uh, from, so you said, I'm dropping oh, not, out, not, I had not, enough? Not to cut you off, you know what else it was? And it just hit me. When I was a freshman in college, this was 2010, uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy came out by Kanye. Mm. And I remember exactly where, I, you know those moments that you have, like everyone knows where they were when the Twin Towers happened and everything? Twisted Fantasy coming out was like that for me. Um, and I remember being in my dorm by myself, like I remember the lighting, the, mm. the, the, it was like 7 p.m., the sun was setting. I remember the whole everything. And I remember literally I was actually so amazed by the quality of the music and how good it was that like I was practically crying tears of joy of just like, 
oh my God. This like, is I what did. I want. Like I did, I like, I literally tears of joy of just how amazing the music was, uh, happened. And I think right there in that moment, I was like, I have to do this because I have to achieve that feeling for myself. And I know I can do this. You know what I'm saying? But I, I think I made a decision a long time ago that uh, you can either go through life and go through this whole journey kind of being like, oh, well, like, I'm not that good. And, or you can simply choose to be like, I'm amazing. Mm. And a part of it is like, you need to hype yourself up. You gotta like, people don't understand that um, in order to even get to this point where we're sitting here, or whatever, there had to be a certain level of mental, like, I have to psych myself up and turn myself into a self-belief monster. Otherwise, you're not gonna have enough <clears throat> to even make it. Where do you through. think that comes from? Comes from for you? I think it's a. I think it's me wanting to prove it to myself. Number one, that I am good enough, and then naturally prove it to other people. But number one, prove it to myself that you know what? Like I wanted to go platinum and I wanted to do these things, not to prove to the world, but like to prove to the little kid who started writing raps at seven, to prove to the kid who was making terrible but did anybody, at 14. If I, look at, if I look at my life, yeah. uh, and it's not a sad story, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I look at my father who said, you, this is, you're, you're not gonna do this. Yeah. You know, just stick with X. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I look at the people that I talk to, you're not gonna be able to do this. Right. Just stick with Y. Yeah. Did you have that where yeah. everyone said, yeah. you know, you're not gonna be able to my, do this? My friends us. in high school used to just laugh all the time. Like, oh, what do you think you're gonna do? Like, be some producer or like be some, they used to laugh all the time. And um, I don't know, it never, I think it never phased me because I moved around a lot. Meaning, I was I had to learn quickly that uh, people come and go. You know what I mean? Moving around a lot, I think it either gives you two things. It either makes you get super attached to people yeah. really easily, or it makes you kind of be like, you know what? I moved around so many times, like there's no telling. I could just I can move to a different state, and we're never friends again ever. Yeah. So I don't need to get too attached. So uh, when people were saying that, I never really felt like I was a part of that community anyway. Like, we were friends, but it wasn't like, I didn't really feel one You're enough. not taking their advice. Yeah, I'm just like, you know, I don't know y'all like that. I yeah. met y'all going into high school. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you're laughing, and yeah, you're my friends for the time being, but I never got hung up on the idea. Who was in your corner? Uh, it was me for the first couple of years that was obsessed with it, and then Bugis has been the best uh, friend you could ask for because there's been nothing, I mean, he thinks the exact same way in, the, in terms of self-belief and just like, yeah, anything we want to do, do it. I'm, I still remember being in his basement where the studio was forever and still is, um, turning around and being like, yo, should I start rapping? Mm -hmm. I still remember that moment, like the Twin Towers and Twisted Fantasy, and him just being like, hell yeah. Like, there was no hesitance, so, like, maybe you should, it was just like, hell fucking yeah, start rapping. So at that, for you, to that question, should I start rapping, yeah. what was the negative? The negative was criticism, yeah. right? Because the whole, I think with anyone going after anything, a lot of the fear comes from fear of criticism. Yeah. Like, well, what are people gonna say? Yeah. I remember even my brother told me like, uh, you know, you should start rapping. And I was just like, yeah, but like, I sound whack though. Mm. Like, my, like, my voice sound whack. So there was a moment of uh, uh, self-doubt and fear. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But. Um, 
that's why, yeah, it is really, really important that you surround yourself with people who are trying to big you up too. If you think back to uh, what was the first moment where uh, something happened for you? Where was that, oh my gosh, something's going on here? Uh, I don't know, you know, my whole, my whole story was just like gradual steps, smaller things turned into bigger things. I guess a, a big moment for me was getting um, Kara Lewis. It was like legendary booking agent, you know what I'm saying? Eminem, Kanye, you name it. Um, this is before the album. This is before, before the album. Before so, this is, so this is 2015. And 2015 is really when I started putting out a song a week on SoundCloud, right? So by doing that, obviously like it started to gain a little traction. I'm starting to get emails from people who are trying to manage me, whatever. And my current manager, he was one of the emails. And uh, it was, you know, I'm trying to manage you. Let's build. Let's do this. And I remember just saying, like, yo, like, I'm not trying to talk to you until get me Kara Lewis. That's all I wanted. Because I knew, because I would studied the game. I knew I needed Kara Lewis. I want Kara Lewis. I want a booking agent, which is the ones who get you shows and tours. Like, I need her. Um, and so, lo and behold, like it was September 2015, September 1st, I remember the exact date, where he got me Kara Lewis, he got me a meeting with her, and I go in there and I meet her. And I left the meeting and it was amazing. I got to put like her email link in my bio where it's like, for booking, check my bio. And it got to be Kara Lewis. And I remember calling Boogus like, yo, like, peep my so Instagram you actually, bio. You actually did the research to know who the ta who the booking agent is oh, going to make yeah. a difference for you. Oh yeah, me and Boogus are psychopaths. Yeah, we, we, did, we did the whole study. You know what I'm saying? On everything. We watched everybody's Breakfast Club interview. We watched everybody's everything. We read every article. Uh, so who contacted her? Uh, Milan who's my current manager, who was in my email. Said, you gotta listen to this guy, yeah. he's got, he's got and now, this. In 2015, I don't know you from anywhere, I'm thinking you're bull Yeah. when you're like, oh, I'm gonna get you Kara yeah. Lewis. I'm like, you're full of shit. You know what I'm saying? There's no chance, like, I'll see you when I believe it. Or I believe when I see it, but, um, you know, then like, I had a meeting with Kara Lewis and I was like, oh, okay, this is crazy. Do, um, what, did you, what do you think, has she said what she saw in you? Um, she, yeah, she liked, she liked the music a lot and people around her staff were listening to the music. Yeah. And then when I met her, she, uh, you know, we clicked. The chemistry, the personalities clicked and, um, you know, but a booking agent can only do so much for you. You know what I mean? Like you have to be, you have to have real fans. At the end of the day, Kara Lewis could have been my booking agent, but if I never would have grown because of the good music I was putting out, yeah. it never would have happened. You know what I'm saying? So 2015, you got to really think about it, right? 2015, around that time, between July and December of 2015, I put out four or five songs that now have plaques. Two of them are double platinum. So it's like, it wasn't just because I was putting out songs every week and I got care, it's because I dropped hits on SoundCloud. Yeah. Do you remember your first show where you're the, you're the, the MC for the show? Yeah, it was, um, the first one where I headlined, it was my show. I think, you know what's crazy? It was a European tour. And that's how, that's why it worked out beautifully, right? I was begging Kara to put me on some sort of tour show, but I didn't have the demand yet. I couldn't sell tickets, right? And so through her connection, she got me an international booking agent, right? The demand in Europe was like great. You know? For you. Yeah. Oh, actually, I'm tripping. The first show I ever did headline was 2014 in Belgium. No, wrong, sorry. Because now I'm racking my brain. It was in 
Tumwater, Washington. Let me tell you this crazy story, right? This is August or September of 2014 when I had 600 followers, no lie, right? And there was this like, I was noticing a demand on Twitter of these kids in Tumwater, like high school kids in Tumwater. It's like an hour outside of Seattle or something like that. And I was like, this is nuts. And I remember putting up a tweet like, shout out to Tumwater or if I come to, and I remember back then like, you know, 30 retweets or 40 retweets was like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, you're like, wait a second. Mom, I don't gotta take out the trash anymore. Mm. I got 40 retweets. <laughs> but so I was like, yo, this is nuts. Um, and I remember getting on the phone with one of the fans, like calling one of the fans, because he said that, so, like, so. yeah, because he said that his uh, uncle could set up a show. And I was like, beautiful. I was like, let's do it. Um, so I went out there, like, I had no money. You know what I'm saying? I was broke. So, like, me, uh, Boogus, and my DJ at the time, we stayed in that kid's house. Like, yeah. He was living with his mom. Obviously, he's in high school. We stayed at his house. You know what I mean? And it was dope. It was like 48 people. And it was like, but it was amazing to me to see what could happen if just like, a, you know, a unit of yeah. people come together yeah. and just demand something. It's not shout out to Tumwater, shout out to Tanner. When did, when did Columbia come in? Columbia came in uh, June of 2016. How did that happen? So that was, that was a, that was a fun time because, right, so we're 2015 and I'm dropping all these songs on SoundCloud. And like I said, July to December of 2015, I dropped too many, pull the trigger, what they want, losing control and do it myself in the span of those months. And those are five hits, you know, losing control, double platinum. What's a hit for you? A hit to me, honestly, it's a biased opinion. I think everything I make is a hit because I literally just feel like I know melodies really well and it's just, it's a great chorus. Like, I feel like my throwaway would be people's lead singles. But that's, I don't know, it's just how I feel. But um, I don't know, I just felt like they were gonna be massive songs. I'm like, the melody's too good. Like, everything about this is too good. Um, but those songs, they all have plaques. So you gotta keep in mind, like, I put out these songs back then that now all have plaques. And then starting out at top of 2016, I shot two super, super, super uh, imperative videos. Who what, paid for them? Uh, they were free. So my director, Edgar Estevez, I'll never forget, I had 7,000 followers. He had 40,000 followers. This is November or December of 2015. He DMs me on Instagram. His first DM, I still have it. Uh, I want to shoot everything, in all caps. And I was like... Do you know who he is? No, but so I click on his Instagram and I'm scrolling down. I'm like, these videos look amazing. I was like, you know, you're thinking like, this can't be real. Yeah. Like, many times I've gone down a dead end road, yeah. met with people who weren't really who they said they were, you know, cause you're trying to get on. And I was like, amazing. Let's do it, I'm with it. Uh, so that was like November, December of 2015. And he's like, let's start with Losing Control. That's my favorite song. I was like, cool, that one's kind of going like well for me right now, let's do it. So January of 2016, I go to Miami, I bring my mom uh, and we shoot Losing Control like in a parking lot. And because Edgar is Edgar and he has certain connections with like, you know what, I can get like my homies to come and help me with filming. You know, a couple of people owe me famous, they, favors, they can work on it for free. So it cost me no money, I had to get myself to Miami. Um, so I did that, but uh, man, we shot that video in a parking lot. And then with the What They Want video, he came to Atlanta, I flew him to Atlanta. Do you think the video helped you? Absolutely, that's what blew it up, was that the Loser Control video and the What They Want video was genius. The What They Want video was, super imperative we flew i flew him and one of his friends to atlanta who helped shoot the video 
and we went to, um, no one actually knows why I shot the What They Want video because they see the leaves are pink. Uh, the finesse with that entire video is actually the first time I'm saying it. Uh, we drove to Callaway Gardens, right? <laughs> In Atlanta yeah. to shoot the video. So it was like two, three hours away from me. So we pull up and we start to shoot the original idea. Like I was wearing all white. I had like a glass of wine and like we're looking at it afterwards shooting. It's like, this is whack. Mm. This is not fresh. And I had a different change of clothes just in case in the car. And I'm talking like I drove my Nissan, mm. the old Pathfinder with Edgar in the car and his videographer. And it's about to start raining. We like pull up on this like old shed on Callaway Gardens. And I was like, yo, this just looks epic. I was like, mm. let me just change outfits and let's just like try and finesse something there. So the what they want video is actually us filming in 45 minutes trying to beat the rain mm. in Callaway Gardens at that shed. And then in post-production, Edgar and his, uh, and uh, Chris, who's his like partner, uh, did post effects with the leaves and that and losing control is those videos. Yeah, it's like 120, 140 million views. Yeah, those are what made it go nuts. Because mm. at the end of the day, when you have a when you have a fan base hit, like a song that the fan base is clearly gravitating towards more than anything else, put the right video to it, and you're out of here. Period. Columbia. Okay, so yeah. So did you have a bunch of? No. So now the Columbia thing, right? So that's going on. The videos are blowing up. I'm with Kara, September 1st of 2015 is when I got with Kara. The rest of the year, we didn't really do much. I did like a CMJ showcase, which is like New York South by Southwest used to be. I wasn't really doing much. I did like an opening thing for Cat Dahlia in places and whatever, whatever, and she's really dope. Um, but it wasn't like, I wasn't doing much, you know? And I remember 2016 starting, me being like, put me on the road. I did you want to, did you want a label? Uh, no, I didn't want a label because I didn't see the need for a label. And then I start to kind of like see that, you know, my songs are doing better than other people's songs as far as numbers wise, the bigger. And I'm like, why aren't I more known? And I start to look around at everyone. And I'm like, well, everyone has a label. Yeah. Everyone has a connection. I had no connection. So I was like, let me level the playing field. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I went on the European tour, which is the manifest tour, like in April or May. Um, and I remember doing, you know, 80 kids in a basement in Glasgow, mm -hmm. you know, in a restaurant. Like, I'll never forget, like, walking through the restaurants where there was people eating and, like, we went downstairs to do the show. Isn't that fun to remember, though? Today. Amazing. Yeah. And shout out to Edgar for telling me, yo, before you go on the road, what you need to do is hire someone to film every single show. Yeah. And so it's really dope. Like, you can right now go on my Instagram and scroll all the way down. I have all my show videos. From beginning to end. On the left column, yeah. they're all, you can go all the way down and see the Glasgow show of, you know, 80 kids in a restaurant's basement. Um, so we did that, the Manifest Tour. And I remember labels were flying out to certain shows. Like, RCA flew out to the London show, where it was 300 kids. They come and it. talk to you? You knew they yeah. were there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, you know, there was conversations and emails, and they were trying to reach out. But I wasn't, you know, I was like, fuck y'all. I don't give a about any of this. Like, I'm killing life. Like, fuck y'all. You know, like, I fucked with them, but like, I liked the fact that they liked sure. what was going on, but I wasn't like, oh my God, yes, finally, I can yeah. get signed. I didn't give a shit about it. But they came to the London show. It was dope. Shout out to Tarek, uh, Derek and Tunji. They were really, really dope. Uh, and then the Belgium show, which was the biggest show on tour, um, was 1,100 people, which was a like, that was like Madison Square Garden to me at the time, right? Um, and 
an A&R, Imran, from Columbia came out. He flew out to see that show. So that's when it started, like, people, like the label started to try and poach. They're asking. Yeah, yeah. they're asking. Yeah. So I was like, cool, you know what I'm saying? But I still want to kind of, like, wait yeah. and drive the price up. Yeah. You know, and kind of figure out, do I really need yeah. a label? Um, so I come back from that, and then a couple weeks later, I go on the What They Want tour, um, which was, like, eight cities in America, it was my first American tour. I remember the LA show, it was at the same venue that I did in 2014 where my mom first saw me perform. Sure. So I did it and I did two shows in the same night at that venue, so we turned the house around, it was nuts. Um, and like all of Columbia was there, like, you know, a little bunch of representatives, um, you know, super adamant, like, yo, we wanna work with you, we wanna work with you. And I was like, all right, cool, whatever. I'm still kind of just like playing the field. Um, but then, you know, it. I recognized that I had hits, like hit hits in what they want, losing control. And I was like, look, at the end of the day, I'm trying to be the biggest artist in the world mm. ever. That's always been the goal. And I was like, I'm listening to the radio. I'm looking at everything and everyone has a label. Mm. Everyone, has, to be. everyone has a connection. Like at the end of the day, everyone has a connection. Anyone who you think is, uh, who was independent, they had a crazy ass connection. It wasn't just in their basement. I was really in my basement. So at that point I was like, yo, you know what? It's time to level up. So in June, I think it was June 23rd exactly, because I also have that moment on my Instagram is when I signed um, the deal with Columbia. They so the, nothing about anything. This, the album that came out, which yeah. what's impressive to me is you've got no collabs on this. Yeah. No, when I say collabs, famous. Yeah. Was that intentional? It was intentional, but it was also it was also kind of how it went. I made that album over the course of coming up. Mm. So a song on there called Cherry Hill, I made in 2015. You know what I'm saying? And it, I'm super proud of myself for having the foresight to know you know what, I made Cherry Hill the same weekend I made Willy Wonka, February of 2015, when I had 200 followers. But to me, when I made it, I was like, this is so good. I'm not putting this out until it's the right time, you know? And now it's, you know, it's about to go gold. It doesn't even have a video, it hasn't mm. even worked or anything. Um, so, you know, I'm super proud of that. And back to the Columbia thing, it's just, it's, it's, I encourage every independent artist to build up a real organic fan base. The reason why I was able to walk into Columbia and say, give me $2 million give me a 50-50 profit split and let me keep my entire TuneCore catalog where you can't touch it, is because without y'all, I was 50 I on the iTunes. I was 50 on the iTunes mm. charts. Kylie Jenner randomly was playing my songs. I'm selling out tours. Mm. Like you build up leverage. You know what I'm saying? So it was super important for me to do that. Because without that, I don't get the deal that I want. Do you want to work with other artists? Absolutely, and I'm working with them now. You know what I'm saying? Like I have, um, I have a lot of like cool collabs coming. You know what I'm saying? And to me, it was never like I fucking hate everybody. I think everyone's whack. It was more so like I didn't know anyone. Mm. I don't like I don't have these industry connects where it's like, yo, so my cousin or like my manager's man and homie who knows, knows like Kanye West's cousin. It's like I don't know. Like I don't have people like that. Have you met 50 yet? No, I'll probably literally like... Eminem? I met Eminem and it was fucking nuts. Nuts. I met Eminem at a festival, it was the Reading Festival in the UK. It was, I think over the summer, I guess, or whatever, or in August. And it was really, really nuts. Because I was just like, bro. No, these are people that 
50, I mean, you've mentioned two people, 50 and Eminem, those I are the guys. Like, because to me, right, I don't know if you've seen the video of DMX fanning out to Rakim. Mm -hmm. It's legendary though, and I'm like, to me, DMX is like the coolest person alive. So it's like, if DMX is not cool, is not too cool to fan out, neither am I. Mm -hmm. So I met Eminem, I'm like, bro, like, I thought I would have been way more nervous than I mm -hmm. was, but I was completely just like. Did he know who you were? Yeah, he had, this is the shit that tripped me the fuck out. So I'm sitting, I'm like, yo, you're the reason why I fucking started rapping. Mm. Like, you're a fucking legend, you're you. You know what I'm yeah. saying? He's like, man, he was like, yeah, we saw your, we saw your Funk Flex freestyle, and it was crazy. Shout out to Funk Flex and everything. But I was like, bro, what? Like, what? What was the song? I know, it was a freestyle was on Funk Flex's radios, and yeah. I was like, bro, what? And I'll never forget, um, I was like, bro, you're a fucking legend. He was like, bro, you're on your way. And it's just like, to me, bro, like, I don't, like, that just, no one can tell me shit, bro. No yeah. one can tell me shit when I was in my basement, when only I thought I was cool and dope. The fact that Eminem said I'm on my way to being, like, I'm, I don't give a what y'all talking about. Uh, I wish I was as confident as you, and I mean this positive, in the yeah. most genuine way, yeah. your confidence is, is aspiring for Thank all. You. Uh, young people who wanna be in in your world of uh, uh, building a career, and yeah. what you're doing is you're in touch with your family, and your family is your fans. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, you are beyond self-made, and I, I look you. forward to Thank the you. next five, ten years of seeing where you're going. Absolutely. Um, so look you. back at me. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I remember you. Let right? me get in on the gin. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe you should pull the f***ing trigger. Ooh.